Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Dean Jacobs. Hey, Dr. Paul. You are an expander of sorts as well, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm in the right place. I, for sure, I know I'm in the right place at the right time, for sure. Cause oh, I know that you are. As expand, expanding that box is everything. As we've been chatting, uh, you know, before the, the, the mics went on for the podcast, it became very clear fairly quickly that we're on a similar path. Now, we've, we've taken different courses to get the different paths or whatever, because yours has led you through Africa and other places in the world. You work with children, you work with animals. And, and I didn't do any of that. Uh, I took a different path, but we we've, we've got a similar purpose, I think, and that's absolutely. why I was excited absolutely. to invite you. Thank you, thank you for inviting me to your show and to your community. I'm grateful. Dean, give us just a little quick snapshot of who you are and where you're coming from, so that our our listeners will have a little bit of context of what is contributing to your experience here. All right, great. Well, thank you for the question. And, you know, I look in the mirror every morning and ask myself that question. Who, who am I and where am I coming from? Because I Good. like to be, I, I want to be the one who determines that, uh, generates that conversation. Um, well, who I am and where I'm coming from, I've had the blessing of challenges earlier in my life. I had parents who were kind of disengaged with my life. And I saw the insight of the blessings of that is I learned how to be engaged with life. And it's such a way, in a profound way, that it's now taken me through 58 countries um, around the world. Eight years of my life, I've invested into being engaged with life. Now, this a lot of times people ask me, how old were you when you started exploring? Because that's a question, of course, I get a lot from the students that I work with. Yeah. And I was nine years old. I was nine. Okay. One, sa- one Saturday morning, I got on my bicycle. Had a, you might remember these, Dr. Paul, these green swim stingray bicycles with a banana seat, you know, oh, kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I rode that 10 miles all by myself down the country roads because my dad was a truck driver and I didn't get to see him all the time. And I knew he'd be loading his truck in the next town. So I rode my bike all the way down the gravel roads and looked across the river and he wasn't there and dang it. And then I rode my bike all the way back. But every good adventure has a little tension. What do you think I was worried about at nine years old as I rode my bike 10 miles down and 10 miles back? Oh, there could be a number of things. Yeah, well, a lot of people think, well, your, your mom, well, as long as I was home by five o'clock, everything was cool then back good. then, you know? Yeah. But the, what was I most worried about was like what farms have on them to guard the farm. They have dogs, right? They have dogs, and those dogs are not on chains. So right. I was, I'd ride my bike as quietly as good, and then I'm pedaling as fast as I can. Big old dogs come past barking after me. Did they ever get me? No. And at nine years old, I learned one of the most important lessons of my entire life. And that was this, that on the other side of that wall of fear, there's a whole world waiting to be explored. If I let that wall of fear stop me, I get trapped here in the small box. We're not supposed to live there. We're supposed to be out here being engaged. What I call dreaming big, living tall to make the world better. We're supposed to be constantly stretching and blowing those boxes over and over again so we can grow into the best version of ourselves. Otherwise... 
we get myopic and we 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 wonder why we're challenged and frustrated because we are we're not challenging ourselves to get outside the comfort zone. Right. And all the magic is out there, as you know. And you and you've done, you've done this work. I'm, you know, I'm preaching the choir here a little bit, right? But you've done this work a long time. But we've forgotten that our our the our best growth, our our most beautiful growth, comes when we're engaged with what's new, what's unfamiliar, so we can discover something about the world and discover something about ourselves. And we've almost yes. glor- we've almost glorified being comfortable. And in doing so, we've robbed people the opportunity to develop the character of who they want to become in life. And I'm here to remind people that dreams are not for special people, they're for everybody. Anyone who's willing to take the responsibility to step out of what's familiar into something yeah. new and something different, to discover something magic, magical, to live a life of wonder. I love the idea of the discovery and the exploration. In fact, your logo implies exploration. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a guy walk. You know, the hiking stick and walking, and with a backpack, and like, a, I mean, we're life is supposed to be an adventure and an enthusiastic journey of discovery. It really is. At least I believe so, and I've dedicated my life to that idea. And in doing so, that's taken me around the world. You know, when I went traveling. I'm not a trust fund baby. So the first thing people are going to want to know in your listeners, like, how does he pay for it? Right. I mean, that's the background conversation. How do you take a trip around the world that lasted for two years? Uh. Right. That was my that's how long my first trip lasted. Two years going through 28 countries. Well, I'm just an ordinary guy from Nebraska who's decided to live an extraordinary life. And what I do is I save my money and I reinvest it in the things that really matter, that support me and my mission and my dreams, which is to go experience the world, not look at it on a computer screen. Mm-hmm. knowing that every time I discover something new about the world, I discover something new about myself. And so that's, anyway, that was my what I've dedicated my life to. I can't even remember what your original question was. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, we, can, we can get off on all kinds of different conversations mm. based on some of the experiences that you've had. Mm. Dean, you've illustrated for us already that we can live in a box, yep, a, a tiny little comfortable box mm-hmm. where dogs aren't going to bark at you on your Schwinn Stingray. Right, yeah. But you won't get the journey if you yeah. stay in the box. Yep, yep. And our minds, I know this as a psychologist, our minds are capable of coming up with 15 or 20 reasons why we should not do anything. Yes, and if yeah. we listen to that noise too much, we're going to stay trapped in our box and we won't get out there to, to explore and experience. The, we say the world, but really this is about our life. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, I say the world because it fits with how I articulate it, but exactly. That's, our life is that, connected yeah. to all of that. And if we don't give ourselves that permission, if we don't reframe... Um, the, the opportunity, if we, if we get, if we listen to the noise, I like how you said that, mm. uh, if we listen to the noise, then we, we, we actually argue for our box. Right. And we spend a lot of time arguing for our box without realizing that all, everything that we really want to experience, I shouldn't say everything, but many things, because there is, the box serves a purpose. We do want a safe place to sleep. We do want to be able to trust our food and things like that and to have, 
so that way those basic needs are met. But I'm I'm yeah. saying that the most of the growth, most of that magic, I am most alive when I am surrounded by the unfamiliar. And I want to mm-hmm. live a life that I'm alive. I, you know, I want to live a life that's filled mm-hmm. with that kind of wonder because yeah. we're here for just a short period of time. And uh, every day is a blessing. I mean, I've almost died a few times, and those are very, uh, we can talk about those stories at some point if you want to. But like, I know that every time I fit, my feet hits that ground in the morning when I get out of bed, I'm grateful. I get another chance to show up and experience to life. Now, it's not a burden. It's a blessing that mm-hmm. I get to be here. So what am I going to do with this to make it count? How, what's my next right move so I can make the biggest contribution to grow into a bigger better version of me because I feel like I'm always evolving and becoming better so I can have more impact and not just go through the motions, right? Right. You know, this all begs a question, I think. Okay. And and maybe I'll just bring that one out too because you, you illuminated one earlier. You're like, well, how does he afford to go all over the world? I'd <laughs> love to do that, but I can't afford it or whatever, yeah. right? Yes. But I think yeah. it begs another maybe even more fundamental question. Why? Why do we do this? And, and I'm picking up on two reasons that were embedded in, in what you've already shared. Okay. And one is, is clear and obvious with anybody who interacts with you, Dean, and that mm-hmm. is that it brings joy yeah. to your life. Absolutely. But that's the selfish part. Yeah. Because it also puts you in position to have an impact on the lives of other people so that they can have more joy. And that brings a different kind of purpose to the whole thing. Absolutely. That's where you get fulfillment, I believe. That's where, go ahead. You're a teacher. You've spent a lot of uh, your time and energy and resources educating young people, particularly, Mm -hmm. about what's possible. Yep. Can you just talk about that end for a minute, that that alternate purpose? Yeah, I'd love to. And thank you for asking that. And it's so important to me. I spent a lot of time actually in the last few years on Native American reservations here in Nebraska because uh, I, I do, when I say dreams are not for special people, they're for everyone. I mean everyone. Everyone who's been given the birth, uh, given birth, has the, the birthright yeah. to have a dream. I don't know what their dreams are. I can teach you, but I can't learn from you. I can show you dreams, but I can't dream for you kind of thing. But yeah. to expand that perspective, because I have a philosophy, the bigger perspective, the bigger the dreams. Right. The wider the perspective, the bigger the dream. So if we only know a little, then we we don't we only dream a little. So my, I'm so passionate about going into schools, and in particular elementary schools. And I for a lot of times, for a long time, people ask me, Dean, what do you do? And that's such a great question, as you asked earlier. And I go, well, I go into schools and I help kids create hope, and on that foundation of hope, I challenge them to dream. And this woman goes, well, you really do that? I go, yeah. And she goes, well, you need to get a hold of Gallup because they measure hope in kids. And I go, well. I didn't know you could measure hope in kids, right? And and I go, but I'm open to that idea. So it turns out I've known someone. You know, this is the serendipity of life. You'll appreciate this. I've known someone who works for Gallup. I've known them since first grade. In other words, we grew up together, and they're now mm-hmm. vice president at Gallup. So I email this person. Her name was Lisa Keekler. And I go, Lisa, what's this hope stuff? She goes, yeah, I know this research. I can send it to you. Yeah. And then she goes, I can set up a lunch for the researchers. You want to do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. There's Not going to miss that. Thumbs up. Exactly. That thumbs up. Exactly. So I'm going to miss that. Long story short with all that was 
um, if you're going to measure something, you have to define it. And the Gallup people define that hope is measured by an optimism for the future and this belief that you have some say in it. Looking forward to tomorrow and this sense. belief. Yeah, and I, I, I can get my arms around that. And the Dr. Shane Lopez, University of Kansas, uh, make, wrote a book, Making Hope Happen. And this was his research. So that's how they define it. And they found that a hopeful kid is, is uh, better, has, is happier. They're more likely to be go from a C to a B or more engaged. And they're just, they're healthier, more healthier human beings. Now, common sense tells us that, but they had the research to back it up. They also found that most of that foundation for hope, and you're going to understand this really well, gets laid by, by age nine or 10. Yeah. That, that, right. that framework is, and ever since I heard that, the day, I'll never forget the day, I'm like, that's who I'm going to impact. Because if we can get them early, then we're going to spend less time and money and energy trying to rewire them later in life yep. to try and get them back to a place where they can get a solid foundation. So let's get the foundation right and build on that foundation. And by the way, the mind is malleable. So no matter if your listeners are wondering if it's, not too, if it's too late, no, it's never too late because the mind is malleable. And we can always create that foundation. But creating that foundation of hope, looking for tomorrow, and this belief that you have some say in it, we get that set right, mm. Who knows? The potential that lies in each and every one of those kids, we have no idea who they are capable of becoming, what they're capable of doing that's extraordinary that can change the world. But we, we have to wave a little oxygen on those internal flames so they, they burn a little brighter, so they believe a, a little more deeper and, a, and more fully, or maybe even for the first time in themselves, knowing that's not an accident that they're here and that they matter. Right. Wow. Okay. I knew, I knew that I was blowing a little oxygen on some internal flames that you've got burning. Exactly. And it, Thank you. And it became pretty obvious as we had that conversation. Dean, when Thank we you. come back from this break, I would love to continue this conversation and maybe dig into some of the principles you've learned along the way. That sure, I'd love to. Sounds great. Awesome. Folks, this is Dean Jacobs at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me. DrPaulJenkins.com And we're back. Dean Jacobs at Live On Purpose Radio today. We're having some fun. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I can, I can tell I'm fanning some oxygen on the flames <laughs> that you brought to the game today. Thank you for doing that. I'm grateful for that. Dean, you've had such rich experiences You've got, you've got a bucket list that's completed. That I, I hopefully you have one that's not completed too. But. I was just going to say that the buck is never completely completed. But go ahead. But you've checked a few things off of your list, and you've discovered that it 
it has some deeper purpose. Would you just give us a sampling of some of the things that you've already checked off. Well, you know, I've, I've been so lucky and been so blessed to done some amazing things. I mean, my first trip around the world lasted for two years. By the way, I lived on 10 to $15 a day. That's how you travel for two years. And that put me, there's a two, two reasons I did that because I, I had, I, I'm not a trust fund baby, so I had only so much money to work with, right? Yeah. And so I, the money, you make the money last longer, you can travel longer. And the other thing is I knew a tiny budget would put me in contact with the ordinary everyday people. And that's where the richness of the journey really starts to unfold because you really start to find out what people's hopes and their dreams are and what's their world like. And it gives you great empathy. It expanded my capacity to have more empathy for people because I, I lived with them and, and broke bread with them and yeah. I read bedtime sure. stories to their kids. So on that trip, I, I did all the things I didn't think I would ever do. So if those who think it's too late, it's never too late because I did 38. I was at 38 years old when I did that trip. I, I, I climbed mountains in New Zealand. I went to the outback of Australia and slept underneath the stars. I went to Indonesia. I went to the Komodo Islands to hang out with Komodo dragons for four days. Wow. And then I, then, I, then I backed my way up through Southeast Asia and it was with Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia. Uh, um, and then I worked my way up to Nepal because I, I, I wanted to see the Himalayas and I got to the base camp at Mount Everest. And then from I know, and then from there I went to India, and climbed to the white. I went um, climbed to the Taj Mahal. Got to teach English to Tibetan refugees for two weeks. Got to hang out with the Dalai Lama as a result of that for a window of time. <laughs> and then and then I worked my way through the Middle East. From there, which was Turkey, Syria, I backpacked through Turkey, Syria, Jordan, Israel, and Egypt. And then I worked from I went from Cairo to Cape Town and through public transportation from the top of Africa to the bottom, then up to Europe, and then came home. Wow. That was the first trip. And then, That's you know, quite a trip, Dean. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it, that changed, well, I, all my trips always changed me, changed me in a good way. I grow into a, a bigger version of me because I expand my perspective. Yeah. But it, it, is, it, it showed me so many beautiful, Less, it taught me so many beautiful lessons, connected me with so many amazing people. I have this treasure that lives in me that I wanted to leverage to make a difference. So then you are, I, I, I just wanted to quickly like summarize quickly because this is going yeah. on for days. But like in addition, that really lit the flame in me. And then uh, what else have I done? I've, um, I've floated 3,000 miles down the Amazon on cargo ships. I went from the beginning of the Nile, I mean, sorry, of the Amazon and the Andean mountains, and I followed all the way to the end in wow. sections. Um, and I've done the Trans-Siberian Railroad all across Russia, Mongolia, and China. And then I also live with mountain gorillas. As a biologist, my degree, Wayne State College, Wayne, Nebraska, always had to shout my alma mater. Um, <laughs> that was like one of the best feathers in my caps ever. For seven and a half months, I lived with mountain gorillas. Working with the scientists, if you remember the the, the movie Gorillas in the Mist, yeah, uh, uh, that work continues. And I was a field correspondent for them for a window of time, writing stories. I got I got I was within an arm's reach of a four hundred pound silverback gorilla with no bars, no windows that separated me. Now remember, on the other side of that wall of fear, there's a whole world waiting to be explored. We let that wall of fear stop us. We get trapped. Boom. And none of that would have happened if I wouldn't have learned that important lesson when I was nine years old, to give myself permission to dream. Not to do it perfectly, not to do it right, but knowing that it's not an accident that 
I'm here. It's not an accident that you're here or any of our, your listeners are here. So what are we going to do with this to make it count? To make it count. And you've learned something about that. I mentioned earlier, Dean, that this has at least two purposes driving it. And one is that it, it lights you up. It gives you joy. It enriches mm. your life. And congratulations, yeah, yes. and I hope you enjoyed it all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's not just for you, is it, Dean? No, no way. That would be so selfish. I mean, life is like given me this treasure and it's not a treasure to be hoarded but a treasure to be shared and used as a way to make a difference to make the world better i go back to my originally my original framework we're not here to live in little boxes we're here to stretch and blow those up by dreaming big by living tall to make the world better dreaming big what do you want to experience try do have become living tall that's character education kindness caring respect dignity generosity humility and you can the list goes on and on and on but what's the purpose of all this? It's not just to walk through life, pay bills, and die, but to do what? To make the world better. And it doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. That framework works universally for everybody. I remember when I was doing a talk once, um, Doc, when I was in Rwanda, and because I, I always like try to give back, when I'm, even when I'm traveling. I have a philosophy, always give more to life than, well, this will this will frame it up. Yeah. After I got done talking to these kids, this kid come up to me and goes, Dean Jacobs, you said the most important thing is to follow my dreams. I go, yes, it is. He goes, what's the most important thing you could tell me to follow my dreams? And I'm like, what am I going to tell this student who lives in Rwanda? It's one-seventh of the size in Nebraska, and they got 10,000 people, right? Mm-hmm. That's like you know 70,000 people live in Nebraska. And I go, well, first thing, that's a good question. Because I'm stalling a little bit, and then of course, if you connect, because <laughs> if you connect in the divineness of life, you'll find your answer. I go. The most important thing I can tell you, is, as far as following your dreams, is this: find a way to give more to life than what you take from it. Life will gift you, will fill you. Life can't stand a void. So if you're giving to life, life is going to be con- contributing to your life in ways that are even beyond your imagination. But if you're always trying to get from life versus to give to life, you're going to trap yourself in a small box and you're going to miss the opportunities that life wants to give you. When, when you said that phrase just a moment ago, Dean, that life has given you this treasure, and it's not just for you, it's for you to share and to use to improve the quality of life of your fellow human beings on the planet. Yes. It, it occurred to me that this isn't magic. It's not luck. It's not like Dean Jacobs is just kind of wandering around and boom, <laughs> life hands him all of these treasures. Right. The treasures are there to be mined and mm. to be claimed. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and we get outside of that box. We blow up the borders. We, we live tall. We do all of those things that you're teaching your students to do. Mm. And it brings that treasure into our life, which we get to enjoy yeah. And then use it to bless the lives of others as well. It's yes. Beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, and, and what, do we, what do we, then then you're making the most then you're making your the gift of life that we've been given. We're making it count. Mm-hmm. I'm making it count. You know, I get emails from students uh, randomly like they'll tell me I remember listening to you in elementary school. And I now have traveled around the world a little bit, and now I'm and now I'm going to the school of my. This was an e- actual email, and 
as I was unpacking my boxes, as, when I'm going back to the school of my dreams to become a, uh, learn how to be a pilot, as I unpacked my boxes, I found one of your books, and that's where I realized where a lot of my dreams came from. You see, you, you, we wow. plant those seeds. That was like 10, 12 years ago. Dr. Wow. Paul. So we plant those seeds with a little bit of trust and faith, knowing that um, I, have, I feel called, and I feel like I have a responsibility to plant those seeds because of how I've the, of the choices I've made with my life. I don't know what they're exactly going to do with them. I'm now teaching them how to be engaged with that even more to to, nurt, to make sure that you water those seeds, pull the weeds out, negative thoughts, make sure there's some sunshine in there so those dreams grow along the way to teach how to be engaged with that. But the biggest responsibility I feel like I have, given that I've traveled around the world, is make sure I plant those seeds. Because I'm a professional photographer too, so I take my images and my storytelling, and I, it becomes an invitation. So it's not me reporting on, on the world. I'm, I'm a big invitation for the world to, to come con participate. Come and see it. Come and see it. Come smell it, hear it, feel it, taste it, touch it, and, and really feel it in your heart because you're part of that. And you have something to contribute to all of that, to, to add to the canvas of life, to make it shine a little brighter, to make it a little more beautiful. Dean, you've put yourself in a position to assist people in doing that. Obviously, you've talked about some of the students, the young people that you work with around the world. You're also happy to share the gift of life that, that you've received hmm. with whoever is willing to go to go mine it. Right. Yeah. Uh, sometimes with your guidance. Can you tell us where we can connect with that? Just Share with our listeners today how they can how they can connect. Yeah, well, they can find me on, uh, of course, the internet world, right? And it's Dean Jacobs, D-E-A-N-J-A-C-O-B-S. If you Google that, I, my website's deanjacobs.org. Uh, so that'll take you right to my website. And, yeah. and on there, uh, all kinds of information. By the way, for your listeners, I'm glad that you brought this up. Right now, during the pandemic, I'm giving away the electronic version of my award-winning animal book. It, it works uh, only on iPads, on Mac stuff. So if you're if you have an iPad, you're in you won the lottery kind of thing here. But it's got these Ooh. photos of animals that I've taken from all over the world, and it's got me narrating that. And it, and there's some, all kinds of engagement activities. If you go to my website, you'll a pop up window will come on. All you got to do is drop in your name and email, and you'll be an automatic email will be dropped to you to get um, the download for that book. Oh, Which, wonderful! Yeah, and I. Uh, Parents love the book as much as the kids do. That's what they tell me because it's written in a way that's interesting and, and fun and engaging to, for them to even participate with. And then that's also where they can find more about like the other services I, I offer or how I engage with school programs, uh, my coaching programs, because I get a lot of requests. Like you, there are a lot of parents struggling out there, mm -hmm. especially right now. Right? How do I get my How do I get my son or my daughter reengaged when we got all these conversation going on right now? That wants to, you know, trap us. How do we yeah. do that? And coaching, coaching is a way to do that. Move, you know, creates conversations with good questions to, to bend it forward to a future where we will travel and we can still be connected like this, like you and I are talking about on technology right now. We're creating a connection with your listeners through right. our, through an engaging, fun, energetic uh, conversation, and we're waving oxygen on the flames of your listeners for a moment at a time, and that's a beautiful thing. I'm so grateful to be here. Oh, thank you so much, Dean, for showing up today, for fanning the flames a little bit. 
My pleasure. That's been fantastic. And for all of you who are listening, hopefully that has triggered or, or ignited or maybe helped to fan your flames as well. And now you have a chance to go do something. Yeah, we want to remind people that you count, that you matter. And especially in particular these days, Dr. Paul, that you know we're, we're somewhat isolated and it's easy to, to feel down and depressed. No, no, we need your light shining bright as much as possible. In Nebraska, you know, I've been saying this has been the 2020 was the pile of poo, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, there's been a big pile of poo. But in Nebraska, you know what we do with poo, with cow poo? We spread it on the fields and we have a bumper crop. Yeah. And that means 20, 2020, one is set up to have a bumper crop of life experiences as long as we're willing to embrace it and hold it that way absolutely yep well it's time for us to take whatever it is that fertilizer that's been spread on us <laughs> go out there let's create some bumper crops thank you dean jacobs for joining us at live on purpose radio here today and now it's time for all of us to go live on purpose mm-hmm.